what a joy it has been for me to be here along with Rod and Holly in in the house of the Lord. John Rodham and he, he took us around and showed his birthplace, where he was born, and I mean it, quite a history. And then we ran across a sign that was on a uh, in front of the the house where you grew up, right? And it had the name. And so Rodham, the downtown, I believe it was, uh, was that was it downtown? This city wasn't it? Oh, oh, the other city. That's right. You got so many cities close by. But uh, <clears throat> I'm realizing more what a famous man that I, and and his wife that I was uh, in the car with. So that is really thank you for inviting me to come to Nova Scotia and to, to and and thank you pastor for allowing me to be in the house of the Lord. You've got a wonderful couple here. Aren't they great? Praise the Lord. And uh not only that, but God has planted them here for great things that are to come. And I'm excited. Thank you for the worship team. And uh, uh, greater things are going to be coming forth by the Spirit of the Lord. I, I bring greetings from my wife. I, I chatted with her briefly. And uh, she sends her love. I have her picture always in my Bible. And uh, for a small fee, uh, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I used to be able to say, uh, I'm collecting for uh, my grandchildren's uh, college fund. But no, that doesn't work. So I only got about $2 last year So <clears throat> towards that. so But uh, it's so wonderful. She sends her greetings, and uh, she's praying for you. And uh, the Lord is so good. She was uh, at home, a friend of hers who's from Japan. Uh, she was a Buddhist and uh, my wife, they ran across each other in, in, in the mall, and uh, they just kind of locked uh, eyes on each other and had a cup of coffee, and they started talking about, uh, she was, uh, the, Vivian was talking about Buddhism, and my wife was talking about Jesus, and Jesus overrode Buddha, and as a result of it, uh, Vivian got gloriously saved, and she's so on fire for the Lord, and seeking for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, my wife had her there today, and uh, she, so it's, she's evangelizing. So I love it. And uh, she sends greetings. There's, my heart has been so overwhelmed with excitement of what's, what God is bringing to your ministry here, this church, to your province, your cities. And uh, God is flooding in my spirit over and over again the glory of the Lord that is, that is about to bust forth in, your, in your, your city and in your church. So get ready for some strange things, okay? Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. People getting saved in, in in their homes, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, people on the job be, have an experience with the Lord because you are a carrier of the glory of God. You carry in you the manifest presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he came into your heart, he didn't just come to abide in your heart. He's all over you. You're him walking in the flesh. You hear what I'm talking about? It is through your hands that are able to heal. It is through your voice that he speaks forth. We think Jesus is just in a little box in our heart. No, he came to live and dwell in us with all of his glory. Praise the Lord. Watch out what's going to manifest in the days that are ahead of you. 
Some time back, I was in Vancouver, and I was walking with a friend of mine, a pastor, and we were just walking down the street, minding our own business, going to a restaurant, and all of a sudden, this man came walking towards us on the sidewalk, and he started screaming, leave us alone, leave us alone. The top of his voice, and I mean, we were minding our own business. We weren't even talking about ministry, but we were just walking. And all of a sudden, as he approached us, everybody on, the, on that sidewalk stopped and looked at us like we were doing something to hurt him or, or something. And he kept screaming, leave us alone. And all of a sudden, as he got close to us, there was an alley. And he dashed down that alley, screaming. And we were the spectacles of people looking at us like, what is it about you? We were just on our way to a restaurant. And I said to the past, that pastor, I said, Pastor, you understand what that is, don't you? That's the powers of darkness recognizing the presence of Jesus dwelling within us. Did we feel anything? No, we were just walking. These kind of things God is going to turn up his glory in you until it's going to be recognizable. Praise the Lord. Recognizable that when you walk into a place, that place changes. The atmosphere changes. So get ready for that. The glory of the Lord is going to be upgraded as it were the dial god is turning it up because he's pouring out his spirit upon this upon your area and upon you there's something that i, I want to share with you <clears throat> that i feel is important the 21st chapter of john i know you're familiar with this Verse 1, it says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And this way he showed himself. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin and Nathaniel and so on. And then it says, and Simon Peter, verse 3, said to them, I don't know about you, but I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going fishing with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples. God has a divine plan for Nova Scotia. So don't ever forget it. It's his kingdom. It's his world. You are his children. And living for him, he has a plan and a purpose for you. You're not just saved to, to be dormant. God has an eternal plan for you. And you're going to walk that out, praise the Lord. And as you walk out, your destiny and your purpose will be fulfilled in the, in the power of his might and glory. We're going to experience in this move of God in Nova Scotia divine appointments that he's going to be setting up. I remember a number of years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to Israel. I don't want anybody to go with you. I want you to get a car, and I want you to explore the land of Israel. And I've been there many times. And as I was praying, Lord, why by myself? He said, I want to talk with you. The reason I'm sharing this story is how God has divine appointments set up for you. It's not by chance. I picked up the car in Tiberias, rented a car, drove, <coughs> I mean, in, in Tel Aviv, and drove to Tiberias. I got there on the eve of the Sabbath, 
checked in the hotel. And I'm sitting in my bed. I thought, well, I better get a bite to eat. So I went down to where the, the, the restaurant was in the hotel. And I'm standing there. And the restaurant is packed. And the receptionist said, sir, she said, we're full. But if you don't mind, maybe you can eat with somebody. You know, I thought, I don't know anybody in the restaurant. And, you know, you kind of had that funny feeling. It's amazing how God will put you into circumstances. So I'm standing there and I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm hungry. And all of a sudden, a gentleman walks up to me, tall, about the size of John Rodham, height. And he walks up and he says, excuse me, sir. My wife and I would like to invite you to come and, and, and sit at our table. Because God spoke to me, he said, I'm going to reveal myself supernaturally to you. And so I walk over to the table, and he introduces himself to me. And he said, my name is Rabbi Emmanuel Eliad of Tiberias. I said, okay, yeah. So we sat, to, he got up, and the whole, re the whole restaurant was quiet and they stood to their feet and he said i've got to give the blessing and they had the bread and they had the cup of wine and and he blessed it and they all partook of it and then we sat down after the blessing and we talked he knew i was a minister and we talked till about 10 o'clock that night he said what are you doing when you get leave the restaurant i said i'll just probably go to bed he said, will you mind coming home with us? I'm a Gentile. This is a rabbi. And so I, I get in my car. I take them home. And at midnight, we're talking the prophecies of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and talking about the end times. And he was getting so excited, and his wife, she brought out her, her uh, desserts that she'd been saving for a long time. And I mean, and at midnight, I said, well, I need to get, you know, you need to sleep. And so here he stood up and he said, let me do an Abrahamic blessing over you. And I thought, wow, that's great. It's wonderful. And he prayed over me. And he said, Stephen, he said, I said, what is your responsibility? He said, I'm the head rabbi of all of the region of Tiberias. I said, oh, wonderful. And he looked at me. He said, the next time you come to Israel, he said, you do not stay in a hotel. You stay in my home as my guest. There'll be times when things are happening around you. Follow the leading of what God is opening up to you. Because one door will open to another door to another door. And I remember I, I, we, I, I prayed a blessing over him after he prayed a blessing over me. I went to the hotel, went to bed, and I'm just laying on that bed saying, Lord, thank you. That next morning which was the Sabbath, I visit in Tiberias, a fellowship of believers. And Ken Corral, who is a friend of mine, has a company there, a computer chip company. He is an elder in the, in the fellowship. These are Jews that have become born again. And we're sitting together, and he said, Stephen, what did you do last night? I said, you know, yes, I said, Ken, I had dinner with Emmanuel Ilya, the rabbi of Tiberias. And he laughed. He said, no way. <laughs> he said, no way. He said, you're mistaken. I said, why? He said, that man has persecuted our fellowship for 13 years, and we've been praying for God to do something with him. He's even had our, our rental areas where we rent to have meetings canceled by the owners. He said, even one building was set on fire to stop us. 
And he said, I know you did not have dinner with Emmanuel Eliad or go to his house. He said, you're mistaken. I said, no, I'm not. He said, he called the other elders over. He said, and they started laughing. He said, Steve thinks he was, he had dinner with Emmanuel Eliad, the, the man that's a terror to the Christian fellowship there. And I said, well, you may not believe me, but look, I pulled out his business card. And when I gave it to them, they turned pale. They said, how in the world did this happen? We've been praying for 13 years and you just walk in and you have dinner with him and you have fellowship with him. And he said, you befriend him. And we've been praying all this long, you know, God do a work with this man. I said, well, it's not my problem. It's God's problem. He set it up. And we've been friends all these years. You see, what I'm talking about, you're going to find supernatural things. And don't be surprised whom God brings you in contact with. You hear? Notice here, there will come a time when, when, when Jesus rose from the dead. He showed himself to the disciples. And then all of a sudden, Peter and those others journeyed to the area of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was no longer walking with them in person as he did before because he would come and go. He was had resurrected from the grave. And now the disciples, they had depended upon Jesus to supply their substance to nourish their bodies. And Peter, being the man that he was, made the statement, standing by the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, he said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going fishing. Notice what happened. There will come a time when you might have to step away from what you were doing temporarily into another dimension that you're familiar with. My dad always said, never be ashamed to get your hands dirty, work it. He put the Bible in one hand, the hammer in the other. He said, boys, Jesus was a carpenter, and he was also the son of God. And he said, so you can preach about him but you can build for him. Notice Peter resorted back to the skills that he was blessed with. God has blessed you with abilities and skills that come from heaven and don't minimize the importance of those giftings that God has in you and, and crave after something else more important because every gift comes from God. God will use them in that which you are destined to fulfill in the kingdom of God. Peter said, I'm going fishing. The scripture tell us, the other disciples said, we're going with you. I can just see them right now. Their tummy's a little bit empty, you know. We're going to do what we know what to do. And we can, Peter, Peter knew how to fish. He said, I don't need to beg. I know how to fish. And all of a sudden, they follow him. Notice there were seven disciples that followed Peter into the boat. And they launch out into familiar territories. God is going to have you launch out into familiar territories as the seven disciples did. Why were they why was it seven? You see Jesus told them in advance. He said, "I'll meet you there in Tiberias." There are prophetic words, there are promises God has given you that your mind forgets. But God is still working at those things you have forgotten in your life. And he will ignite them by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And all of a sudden it comes to the forefront of your memory and you begin to embrace it. You see, Peter said, I'm going fishing. He had the solution to their problem. So in the solution to your problem, God is going to meet you. Jesus said to the disciples, I'll meet you, Galilee. But they forgot about it. Why seven? As I began to read and research it, you see, nothing becomes validated in, under the law of the Roman Empire and in the Jewish law, and only thing when it becomes valid if there were seven witnesses to a situation that happened. If there were five, it was not, not valid. If it was four, it was not valid. But seven witnesses became concrete proof that, there, that something happened. Seven witnesses. That's the why the Holy Spirit directed seven of the disciples into the boat. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I think in Canada and the U.S. you can have two witnesses. But under the Roman law it was seven. Notice God is at work in your life and he's setting things up. Peter, they get in the boat and they start fishing all night. And if you go to Israel... You'll see those little boats at times out on the water at nighttime. As I was reading this, I, I, I was so blessed because Jesus had a way of dealing with them. And notice what he did. He shouted out to fishermen, if you ask the question, how's the fishing? It's embarrassing when you have to say, I got nothing because it reflects on who you are and your skills and your ability and your timing and, and, and so on and your equipment. Here's Jesus just walking on the seashore and he says, hey, almost use the word kids. Hey, guys, you caught anything? And they were working at it. I wonder how long Jesus stood on the seashore and watched them throwing the net in and pulling it back out, searching nothing, doing it time and time and time again, and nothing happens. You may go through this process. Don't worry. When Jesus said, hey, kids, have you caught anything? <laughs> And I'm sure Peter was the loudest voice. No. Did God move in the service Sunday? I don't know. Did God answer your prayer? I don't know. And all of a sudden, Jesus watches them. And they didn't know it was Jesus at the moment because his, his, uh, he was changed. And all of a sudden, Jesus shouts out from the seashore, Hey, put it on the other, put the net on the other side of the boat. Can you imagine what went through their head? Who in the world is that telling me how to do something that I've done all my life? And I know how to do it. And you're standing on the seashore and you're asking an embarrassing question. Have you caught anything? And they're having to admit, no, we've caught nothing. There'll be this coming a change. Notice what happened. Jesus said to them, he said, they didn't know it was him then. They said, hey, he said, put the net on the other side. And I think probably James probably told him, he said, yeah, why don't we try it? We've worn ourselves out and, and we just tired. How many times have you gone into prayer of a situation and you go praying and fasting and seeking the Lord until you wear yourself out and you praise yourself out and you worked yourself out, you witnessed yourself out and you just say, hey, you know, I've done nothing. Nothing is being caught into the kingdom. 
But I want you to know Jesus is watching. I love it <laughs> when all of a sudden they come to in God in the midst of your utter despair and despondency and, as it were, irritated, he appears. I know in, in my walk with the Lord in ministry, there were times I was so spent and I was in Zimbabwe, <laughs> and I had all these Bible school students with me on, the, on my pickup, and I took them into the Zambezi Valley. And I remember it was 100 degrees, and I, and, and, and I was spending the night with an African farmer, and, and, I, and they were going to go in the villages evangelizing and then bring all the converts together, and we were going to baptize them the next day. I spent the night in this farmer's village hut. That next morning I got up and I was excited to go and do preaching and, you know, baptizing and, and that in the, in, in the Zambezi. And I remember I started out with my pickup and the pickup wouldn't go. It would just chug along and it felt like it was going to tear apart. And, I, and, and there was red soil. I was hot and my clothes were sweating. My shirt was all dirty and I would pull the carburetor apart. I did this for seven hours. It would chug along about a half a mile and then stop. And I'm saying, dear God, there's no telephones out here. I'm in a mess. Somebody put cotton in my, in my fuel tank. I don't know who did it. So I finally, after kicking the, the truck, rebuking the devil, slamming the door shut. You know, men, of, men and women of God can get upset sometimes, but don't sin. I came that close. And I started blaming God. God, why did you let me get this truck? And I never forget going through that circumstance. And I finally coasted after seven hours. They were, bring, they were having church for five hours. They were, and I coasted down the hill into the Zambezi Valley area, and, and I wound up right there at this village. And all of these African Bible school students were jumping up and down and telling me the glory of God and how many souls got saved. I didn't want to hear it. And said, Mfundis means missionary. We've been waiting on you for hours, and you've got to preach to us. I didn't have any preaching me to fly over the moon. I didn't feel any anointing. And I said, I can't. Because I'd been, I swallowed some gasoline. And I mean, I did nothing to wash with. My hands were full of gasoline. And I was in this situation. I was down in the mully grubs. And I mean, I was not anointed. I felt disgusted. And I said, God, I can't get home because of, there's no roads out here. There's no bus going by. I'll be out here for days. And how are we going to get back to the Bible school? And they came up to me and they said, said Vundis, preach to us. Well, I tell you, I preached. But I didn't feel the anointing. I was just spent. And I'll never forget to my amazement, I gave an altar call. And I felt unanointed, disgusted, and of all things, people got up and came forward to accept Jesus. And I was like saying, oh no. <laughs> you see, the reason I'm confessing this, you will go through situations where you don't feel by emotionally uh, these things. And, 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 and you know what happened? They said to me in Fundis, they said there's a whole line of people want to get healed. And I said, I can't even heal my truck, <laughs> let alone heal you. They said, it's all right in Fundies. They said, you just lay your hands on it. We'll believe for you. So I just walked down doing this. And they said, we believe, we believe. People were getting healed. And I was upset. I said, God, you heal them, but what about my truck? And 
And I realized one thing. It's not, your, not what you feel. It's what God, what he's doing. So sometimes when you feel least anointed, God's word will not return void. And I remember as long as I lived, they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I was sitting on a, on a, on a stool watching it. And I was in the, still in the middle. God, you can save, you can heal, you can fill with the Holy Ghost, but what about my truck? That was my identity. That was my big endeavor, my big problem. And I remember all of a sudden as I, that we got through with the meeting and that we ate, the Bible school students were so pumped up. They said, they said, Mfundis, missionary, God's going to heal the truck. Uh-huh. Go at it. That's the way I felt, you know. So they gather around the truck, and they lift up the hood. I lift up the, the hood, and it was an old Mazda. And I'm standing there, and they are reaching up into heaven and prayer. It's in fundies. God is a mechanic as well. Uh, uh-huh. Have you ever been in a meeting and you're sick and everybody else is getting healed around you? You know what I'm talking about? Everybody else is feeling love, but you don't feel the love. <laughs> but God's still a God of love. The reason I'm sharing this with you, I walked through this. And when the students get around and say, we, God's going to heal the truck. I had 200 miles to go with that truck. And it wouldn't even go a half a mile. See, because my, my problem was bigger than me. And I looked at those Bible school students. And I said, go at it. And they gathered around them, and they said, man, we're going to lay hands on this. And they were laying hands on that truck. And I was standing there looking in the motor just like this, and, I'm, and I, I, I was desperate. If I could have folded up and died, that would have been happy. And all of a sudden, a short African comes in with a loincloth and a staff in his hand, while they're praying, walks up beside me, and he smelt like fire, the camp, you know, sitting around the fire, and he didn't smell that good. And he spoke to me, said, Pomisa Emwe. He pointed in the motor onto the carburetor at a little, little uh, bolt. He said, take that off in the, in the language. And I stood there and looked at him and thought, who in the world are you? You're not a mechanic. You're a bushman with a loincloth and a staff, and you're telling me how to fix my the truck? And I remember three times he said, pull me so that, take that off. So finally, and all the students had their eyes closed and shouting and giving God praise and praying, and I was just standing there. And, and so I took a wrench, and I took off that little bolt, and when I did, I pulled it out. There was a filter that was chock-a-block of cotton. I pulled out the, the cotton out of that filter, and I put it back in, the, the fastened again, got in the pickup while the students are still praying and shouting and, and giving God for the healing of the truck. And I cranked up the engine and it had all the power and the gasoline it needed. I mean, I was just in shock. I got out of the truck and I, and I went to find that African loincloth with a staff in his hand. And I shook John Tabamba, the head student of the Bible students. And I said, John, where is that African bushman with the staff and the loincloth on? And he was telling me how to fix it. He said, what are you talking about? He said, I was standing right next to you. There was no bushman. There was no one there. I said, yes, there was. And he started to cry. He said, that was an angel in disguise. 
And boy, did it hit me like a ton of brick. I started crying. I started praising the Lord. I said, God, you know how to get my number, don't you? You know how to shake me up. God healed that truck and i want you to know we drove all the way back to harare praising god 200 miles and they were singing songs the angel mechanic came to our assistance the angel mechanic came to our assistance i want you to know in the midst of your lowest moment god will visit you and reveal himself beyond your understanding oh hallelujah Jesus said, cast the dead on the other side. Can you imagine Peter and them? Who is that guy? We're experts. And here's strangers telling us to move, to change our fishing habits. Why, we're so, so familiar with putting our net from from year after year after year on the left side and catching fish. We know all about it. And here's a stranger telling us to put the net on the other side. Something compelled them to do it. And the Bible says they caught an amount of fish that almost the nets were almost breaking. And James says... It's the Lord. Why am I telling you this? There's coming a shift. He's saying, stay in the boat. Keep doing what you're doing. But there's going to be a slight adjustment. And there's going to be a big harvest coming. You've been doing the things you've been doing all these years, but God is saying there's going to be a shift. You hear what I'm talking about? Keep in the boat. Keep doing what you're doing. But begin to move to the right side of the boat. Why the right side? Because the right side is the divine side of God. For Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. What God is saying in this to you and I tonight, shift from man's knowledge into the divine realm of understanding. Put on the mind of Christ. Put on the robe of, of God holiness into your life because that shift is coming in this fellowship and in your fellowship in your city and in Nova Scotia saying you've been faithful in praying you've been faithful in sending the word out keep it up keep it up but there's going to be a divine shift from the left to the right you know when they knight a person the queen knights somebody she puts that sword on the right shoulder, not on the left. Because why? On the right shoulder is, 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 is the divine realm. God is going to switch you from man thinking to God thinking. You hear what I'm saying? You've been thinking long enough in the man realm. Now God's saying, I'm going to make you step over into the divine thinking realm where all things are possible to him that believes. Supernatural thinking. Hallelujah. Glorious empowerment. Notice what happened when James and then said, it's the Lord. Peter all of a sudden recognized the understanding of who was calling from the shoreline and that it was Jesus. It said he, he was naked. He was in the fish attire, but he transformed. He put on the attire that he walked with Jesus. There's going to be a new clothing of the children of God that were once in the powers of this world and transformed them into walking in the robes of righteousness and glory. And God's going to say, put on the robe of the garment of praise. Hallelujah. That in your darkest hour, begin to worship the Lord. Notice, as the boat came, Peter, he couldn't wait to get to Jesus. He was that kind of rambunctious guy. Notice what happened. When they got to the shore, Jesus already had a fire going. He already had fish and bread on the fire. It wasn't the fish from the boat. 
It was divine fish. What is God telling us in this? There's going to come a blessing that's going to come from heaven that God has put together for you. But notice what happened. Jesus said to them, bring some of your own catch. God's going to reward you with heavenly manna and blessings because your obedience. And you're going to feast on that which is heavenly, the fish that Jesus prepared for them, and the bread of heaven. But he's also going to bless you with the labors of your hands. So you're going to get a blessing. Watch what's going to happen in your ministry and in the church and in the body of Christ in Nova Scotia. There's a financial blessing coming, sweeping your way, and God has a a, a bonus above what you've worked with your hands. You understand that? You're going to be walking in the abundance. You're going to be walking in the glory. You're going to walking in the praise. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit here tonight. There's a double anointing coming your way. Hallelujah. You prayed, you fasted, you've called on God, and God's going to give you above that harvest that you had not anticipated on because he loves you. He's going to bless you beyond measure. For there was 153 huge fish. <laughs> Boy, do they have a fish tail to talk about. I want you to know that God's bringing into your fellowship, into the house of the Lord, a souls that are going to be humongous blessings for the kingdom of God. Watch out. He's going to call them from, from the banks. He's going to call them from government. He's going to call them from the mayors. He's going to call them from the hospitals, the education system. They're going to be a bonus above bonuses for the glory of the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said to the disciples, sit down and have a bite to eat. You're going to taste first from him. And then others will bring blessings to you and you'll taste of that. Watch what God's going to do. Do you hear what I'm talking about? God is a God of blessing. So get ready, Nova Scotia. You've been faithful on the left side, putting your head out. But God's going to give you directions to shift. And I feel that shift in Nova Scotia. In the body of Christ, there's going to be a slight shift. I want you to stand with me right now. You are so close. You are so close. So close to the breakthrough. Oh, hallelujah. I can smell it. I can smell the anointing, the fragrance of Jesus. Hallelujah. And he's going to show up. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Right where you're standing, it's so simple. He's saying just move from the left to the right, just one step over. Would you do that? Lord, I'm stepping into your territory. I'm stepping into your divine presence. (laughs) I'm going to be a God-thinking person. The mind of God is going to dwell in me. The peace of God is going to dwell in me. The glory of the Lord is going to dwell in me. I'm stepping into the divine realm of the supernatural. Hallelujah. I'm going to believe God for anything. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's give him praise right now. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Glory. Watch what's going to happen in the coming days. You're going to see financial blessings coming into your life that you never even thought was coming. Not only finances, but favor, promotions on jobs. Children coming into the kingdom of God. Wayward sons and daughters coming into the kingdom of God. 
Things you never even dreamed of. God is going to manifest in your midst. Are you ready? Are you ready to step into God's realm? Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Can you imagine Peter? He's eating that fish. He's eating that bread. And I mean, he said, I've never tasted anything like this. They're not going to believe what sign of fish I got in. But all of a sudden, Jesus pulls him aside and said, Peter, there's something I need to talk to you about. Do you love me, Peter? <laughs> Jesus got to his heart. I want you to know God's going to get to the heart of those that are lost out there. And he's going to pull them in. He's going to woo them in. He's going to court them by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying? God is getting ready to break forth into the right dimension of the kingdom of God. Step into that realm. I'm not going to think anymore of the earthly realm. Because I want you to know the kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. And it takes heavenly thinking, heavenly obedience to step into that. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for the word that you gave us. And Father, you're at work even though our emotions are not in sync with what's going on. God, you love us so much. <laughs> in spite of our shortcomings and our failures, Lord, your promise is true. And amen, it will come to pass. You will not stop it. You will fulfill your word in us and around us regardless of the circumstances that we're going through right now, Father. Lord, I give you praise. <laughs> oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, Jesus is in our midst tonight. And we're about to experience the supernatural blessings of God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> glory. He knows what you need before you even ask of him. Father, you know what Nova Scotia needs. You know what every home needs. And you've heard every prayer prayed. And Father, it's your problem now. Lord, we're willing to step onto the right side, fish on the right side this time. Father, we've fished ourselves out on the left side. And we're worn out. <laughs> but now we're going to step in obedience to the other side into your realm, your thinking, your understanding, your power, your glory. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe upon us as we stand in your presence. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord, for his praise shall continually be in my mouth. For this, the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. When's the last time you blessed the Lord? You may have praised him, but when was the last time you blessed him? There's coming that moment of blessing through praise. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. You know how you bless your companion? Brag on them. Give them gifts. Let them know how wonderful they are. That's blessing them. Not criticizing them. But blessing them. And watch them come alive. 
Oh, hallelujah. My daughter, my, my, my daughter, I would say that she's, dad, I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, you're the smartest girl in the whole city. And who don't you ever say I can't do it? And I said, God's given you wisdom. And she started crying. No, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I can't get this. I said, no, you are endowed with the wisdom of heaven and God's going to unfold his blessings on you. And I said, start thanking him to give you understanding of this project that you're working on and this stuff homework and all of a sudden tears running down my daughter's face she cries out Lord I want to thank you and before long boom 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 here came the revelations of the math problem why because she began to thank him I don't know about you but when I start flattering my wife I tell you I get a good meal She says, honey, what do you want? She knows what my favorite things are. God knows you. He knows what you, where you are. <laughs> you hear what I'm talking about? So start blessing him. And the blessings of, of heaven will come down on you. And your praise will meet the praise of heaven. In the worship, and I want to close with this, in the worship, what God spoke to me, you're going to hear a sound from heaven. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, it says when the temptation was over and Satan left him, it says the angels came and ministered unto him. What did the angels do? They brought substance for his body, but they brought praise. For his spirit. I believe they sang the songs of heaven. And his spirit rose up. Because that was where he came from. I want you to know. God's going to put songs in your heart. <laughs> that are calling forth the redeemed. Father I thank you for the songs of Zion. The songs of praise. And I thank you Lord as a people in Nova Scotia. We're shifting we're staying in the boat. We're not abandoning you, Lord. We're not abandoning what we've been doing all the time, praying and witnessing and working and doing the things for your kingdom, Father. But, Lord, we are ready to step into another dimension of the supernatural. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Brother Steve, um you shared something with us. I don't remember when it was last night when we were after the service, but there, or you might have said it in the service that there were 20 people yes. that wanted to come with you on this trip. Mm -hmm. And I can't get that out of my spirit. Um, 20 people, mm -hmm. uh, all of them except one from the United States, who, are, who have heard this prophetic word yes. about this province. Yes. These, this is not just a word about a great, a great set of revival meetings in some church somewhere, but this no. is a provincial, provincial. Uh, prophecy. And this afternoon I felt very strongly to ask our brother to ask one of those men to pray, who would that man be to start, to send him to Nova Scotia? Yeah. And we'd like to do it in September. I didn't know if I said that to you or not. That's but um, and, and to feed this, because you can't just have a prophetic word yeah. and then not uh, act on it. And I can't get it over and over in my mind. It's it's these 20 people. And uh, he yes. said, well, what, what might happen is you might see them come in groups and they might come to churches. But here's what I sensed the Lord say to me tonight. And I thought, oh, dear. Yesterday was one of the largest offerings in the history of our church. Mm. And we have been preparing for this. Mm. And if you go back through our history, there's been some great offerings in this church. But yesterday was exceptional. And uh, people sacrificed. And I, I'm looking over the, the room, and I know people really sacrificed. And so I just said to Marlene, would you agree to sow another $500 into an offering tonight? 
And I'm going to ask you to, to join me with this. And I know <laughs> I've just been calling on our church to, to pour into uh, ministry in this house so that we can advance the kingdom of God. So I'm reluctant to do this. But I'm, I'm sowing into a prophetic word. Let me say it again. I'm sowing into a prophetic word. Can I say it again? I'm sowing into a prophetic word. And I just checked with Marlene. I said, can we give $500 to that? And right away, her, her response was yes. And it wasn't too long ago, just a few weeks ago, we almost had enough money to pay off our mortgage. And we could take that money and pay off our mortgage or sow it into the offering. And we sowed it into the offering. But God did something today that I can't share with the church that is something that we have been praying for and believing and kind of never thinking would ever come to pass. But God did something today, this afternoon, that is opening up something that is very much in connection. And you know what I'm talking about because I shared it with you. In connection with this prophetic word. Because the prophetic word is that is it's for all denominations, not just uh, the us and others like us, whatever we are. Do you know what we are? I'm not sure. But we're kind of like you, whatever it is you is. Oh, that's it. But I'm going to ask you to consider tonight, and if you're not familiar, I'd like to take this offering, and I'd like to impart, John, would you come up here? Because John is the catalyst that God has been using in the Maritimes. And my brothers and sisters, he's worked hard to see what we're talking about tonight happen. And for years, since you've been back here for the last 10 years, I've known that. And we want to bless you to be able to enable you to advance that vision that God placed in your heart. So I would like to ask the, uh, go ahead and sit down and worship team, if you wouldn't mind coming up here. And, uh, and, uh, I'm going to ask if we could get some offering plates somewhere from the back there. Uh, and, uh, we're going to pass the, and, and there's envelopes there. Um, do what the Lord tells you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. I believe that we need to sow into what the prophetic word that we've heard. Do you agree with me? Are, are you agreeing with me? And and uh, so take the time, whatever time you need. We'll wait a few minutes. We'll, we'll wait for a couple of songs, Kevin, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll pass those plates. But uh, yes, go ahead. I think one of the most profound things tonight was when we stood up and took a step. Pretty simple, isn't it? Remember Naaman? The prophet spoke to him and said, go and dip yourself in the Jordan River. And he was offended because it was so simple. And a lot of the things that God is calling us to do, it's very, very simple. In 1905, a young Bible school student came to his pastor and said, I feel I have a word from God for our church. And the pastor said, uh, he wouldn't let him speak on Sunday. He said, well, maybe Monday night you can speak at the Bible study. I came to church on Sunday, didn't say anything about this, no announcement about this, other than the fact that there's going to be a Bible study. Then they came to the Bible study on Monday night, and at the end he said, oh, by the way, um, our brother here is, has a word he feels from God, and if any of you want to stay afterwards, uh, you know, um, he uh, listened to him. Seventeen people stayed. Seventeen people stayed. And uh, he said, I feel I have a word from God. And he told them four things. He said, first, if there's anything in your life that you know of that really would grieve God, just stop doing it. The second thing is, if there's anything sort of in that gray area <laughs> uh, that you're not quite sure of, well, just stop doing it. So the focus there was, was to give honor to God in, in consecrating their lives to him. The third thing was, if 
if the Holy Spirit nudges you to do something, if you're making some cookies, <laughs> I mean, this seems really crazy, but just simple little things. Uh, if, if you're making some cookies and you get nudged to pass a dozen along to your neighbor, just do that. Don't question that. Or if the Lord's nudging you to call somebody, phone them. Or if he's nudging you to go and visit somebody, go and do that. Okay? These are pretty simple things, right? The fourth thing was give praise to God. If you have opportunity, don't hit people over the head with the Bible. Just give praise to God. And somebody, you go into the post office and somebody says, well, you look pretty happy today. And, and you say, you know, I am. God answers prayer. Four simple things like that. How many of us could do those things? I think we all can, right? That was the catalyst for one of the greatest revivals in the 20th century. They started doing that, and in six months, 90,000 people had come to Christ. It, this is not rocket science. God begins to speak to us and says, put the nets out on the other end. And I may be wrong in this, but Jesus had put the nets out. And my understanding in the Greek is that they were so lacking in faith that they put one net out and caught 153 fish in that one net. Now, I may be wrong. Peter, you may be able to help me with that. <laughs> That's right. So I just want to encourage you that uh, what the kingdom of God is, is these little tweaks that come along. But listen to the Spirit, and He will show you things. And, and I really agree with Steve that, Stephen, that this, we're on the edge of something quite profound. So Lord, give us the capacity to, to, to hear your heart and, and to make those little adjustments as you call us to do that. That these are things that are accessible. You, you've designed it that way. You want it that way so that we can step into these things. It isn't this huge, you know, uh, ministry and isn't this huge thing. Uh, it may evolve into something large, but the step in one journey uh, and the 10,000 mile journey begins with the first step. And you are I believe, wanting to show us some of the next steps that you have before us so that we can step into more of your blessing, more of, your, of what you're desiring to do in and through us to be a blessing to others. So I just want to encourage you in that tonight. Bless you. I'm going to ask uh, uh, you to join us in a, in a connecting point at the end of the service as we st just go into a season of worship right now.